What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Up your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball, part of the Just Baseball Network. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we have a great interview with Rockies prospect Jimmy Heron. We talked about Jimmy a little bit in the Rockies farm system breakdown last week, and since then, he has already been promoted to AAA after mashing through double and has just been a wonderful story for the Colorado Rockies because this is a guy that was drafted in the third round after a fantastic collegiate career at Duke and a strong showing on the Cape. And it was one of those things where just circumstances have just limited Heron's opportunity because of, and we talk about it on the episode, but 2020 season cancellation and following that up with just an injury plague 2021 Gave him a full two years almost of not really being able to show what he is capable of. And he's capable of a lot. He has tools across the board. He is a really good hitter, has a phenomenal approach, and can play all three outfield spots. Uh, You will sign up for one of those guys in your system any day of the week. And the Rockies specifically targeted him in a deal with the Cubs in 2019 for that reason. And did not get to really uh, receive the dividends on that until this year. He was not playing a lot out of the gate and earned more and more playing time in Hartford, double-A affiliate for the Rockies. And by the time we got to July, he was doing so well that he got the bump up to triple-A. And now he's going to go to a very hitter-friendly environment in Albuquerque where I think the power is going to tick up even more. And we know that the bats of ball is there, the speed is there, and all the other complementary tools are there. This guy's a big leaguer. I will say it flat out. He is a big leaguer. And and I think you're going to see why through the conversation that we have. And if you 
you follow him from this point on, which I think you will because uh, he is a really good dude who is humble and has the right mentality and approach to the game, you're, you're, you're going to want to see this guy succeed much like I do. And it's just hard not to root for players like Jimmy Heron, people like Jimmy Heron, especially after the last kind of two years that he's had to deal with a little bit. And great to see him producing and showing what he can do now that he is healthy. Before I cut to the Jimmy Heron interview, I did want to talk briefly on Brian Bayo because I said I was going to break down his outings, uh, his debuts, right-handed pitching prospects, now big leaguer with the Red Sox. And he's had a couple rough outings and I waited after the debut I wanted to see the follow-up start and guess what he has to face the same team that roughed him up in his debut again really unfortunate timing there and just two rough starts for Brian Bayo and I said I'd break it down so I'll talk a little bit about what stood out to me and and I think really what the issue has been for the most part for Bayo has been four-seamer command and slider command, which is interesting because you know the slider looked pretty darn good in the minor leagues. I know it's not as good as the changeup. That's the pitch for Brian Bayo, and that pitch has been good for him at the big league level. He's throwing it through those two starts, throwing it about 28% of the time, and uh, had only really surrendered one hit and got plenty of whiffs on that offering. But the four-seamer and the slider have been pummeled in those two outings, eight of the 13 hits that he has allowed so far in the big leagues have come off of the four-seamer and the slider, and those are the two pitches he throws the least. So a bit concerning there. The slider looked comfortably above average in the minor leagues this year. It's not devastating, but it's sharp enough, and he was locating it pretty well and getting a good amount of whiffs and a high swinging strike percentage, at least relatively high uh, compared to league average with that offering. Not the same in the big leagues. And I think some of it is command, you know, some non-competitive pitches with it and then leaving it over the middle. And then the four-seamer, it has just been left over the middle a bit too much. I think a little bit of bad luck. I don't think the four-seamer is a huge issue because when he is elevating it, it was playing really well. You saw some really bad swings from the Rays when he set that four-seamer up properly and he got some whiffs at the top of the zone. Uh, But when he's missing middle-middle with that pitch, which happened a few too many times, you're going to get burned. I'm not as worried about that. I want to see the slider look better, though, because if you look at where he's been locating that pitch, the 34 times he's thrown it through the two outings that we've seen, it's like a scatter plot. It's, it's all over the map, so it seems like he just doesn't have a great feel for it, whereas the sinker and the changeup, he seemed more comfortable and was working towards the bottom of the zone especially the sinker. But, I mean, those two pitches you don't really have much concern with. But I always do have concern when guys' best two pitches are sinker and changeup because that's bottom third of the zone. That makes it a little bit easier on hitters to to kind of focus on one region of the strike zone. you got to have the four-seamer playing in with that and the slider as well, or at least one of the two. Both are not working for Bayo right now, and that's the issue. I'm not changing my outlook on him on two starts. It's very clear what the issue is, and I think he can very easily rectify that, whether the Red Sox are going to be patient enough for him to rectify that at the big league level or if that's something he's going to continue to work on in AAA. That remains to be seen. The real difference is just guys at the big league level will pummel your mistakes more. Those four-seamers that he misses over the middle maybe gets away with it a bit more in AAA. The hanging slider. Maybe that gets fouled off instead of put off the green monster. That's really the difference. And it's a small sample size. Not going to draw too much uh, of a panic or any conclusions from it. Uh, It's two starts against the same team that has been swinging it much better as of late. Not going to be worried about it, Red Sox fans. It's no big deal. Uh, But it is going to be interesting to see how the Red Sox handle this, given that 
Chris Sale is slated to return, and Nate Eovaldi not far behind. You figure Michael Waka will be in the fold eventually as well as he gets back from an injury. So Bayo might be going back to triple, not the end of the world. He really kind of fast-tracked his timeline anyways. I'm glad the Red Sox gave him a shot. I'd like to see him throw one more time against a team that's not the Rays, but we'll see if that's how things kind of shake out for the Boston Red Sox and Brian Bayo. But we're here to talk to Jimmy Heron, outfielder in the Colorado Rockies organization, and here is that interview. I hope you enjoy it. And here is Jimmy Heron, outfielder in the Colorado Rockies organization, recently promoted to AAA. So congratulations, Jimmy. Well earned on a ridiculously good start to your year. And and now you've got yourself just one step away. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been a been a good year so far and uh, look forward to hopefully keep it keep it going. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you're one of those guys that where I look at it, you know, obviously 2020 being banged, that affects everybody. But you, you were injured a little bit. You were traded. Uh, you had a, a, it seems like just a lot of time where out of your control, not a lot of games were played. And then you get a chance now in 2021 uh, or 2022, excuse me, to really come out here and, and get a fresh slate, a clean slate. And you're absolutely mashing the baseball. And you, you were fantastic in double A. You're doing a little bit of everything and kind of showing why you were that third round pick and, and a guy that's had success at every stop of the way. How do you feel about being able just to, to be on the field again consistently and, and really be able to show what you're capable of. Yeah. It's really awesome just to be playing every day again. Um, you know, I had a lot of missed time and that was really tough 2020 for everyone. And then I had a tough 2021 and basically missed all that year. So, you know, you definitely realize, you know, how much you love and miss the game. Um, so yeah, this year was really just, you know, a lot of excitement just to be back playing, which I think helped, you know, I didn't try to do too much and just, Really just go out there and have fun. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. And still got another half to go, so we'll, we'll see. I feel like it could go two ways from there, right? After not playing for what is almost two years, really getting consistent ABs, you could either have that feeling of you talk about you, you found that love for the game, again, just because of you know being away from it. Or you could come back and be like, I got to make up for, for lost time and press a little bit. You yeah. obviously – were the former and, you know, felt good and relaxed and were just happy to be on the field. How'd you get yourself there? Or was that something that kind of naturally happened? Yeah, it definitely took some time. Um, but I think I just tried to put myself in the mindset where like, I really didn't have much to lose, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of go out and do what you can. And, you know, a lot of these things that that happened, I couldn't control. So trying not to play too much of the what if game and just, you know, kind of, take the days as they come and just, you know, really just see what you can do. That's kind of what it's about. Just, you know, see what you're made of and see how far you can take it. Well, in double A through 54 games, I mean, nine home runs, seven stolen bases, walking almost as much as you're striking out, 259, 373, 465, slash line, because people that listen to this love stats. But, you know, what really felt right for you this year? Was it really just being healthy? Was there anything that you worked on in the offseason? Again, you've put up good numbers in the past, but this seems to be like a different level of production where you're doing a little bit of everything. And I mean, we talk about it time and time again on the show, double A is really tough. You barely had a taste of that prior, you know, what really worked for you or connected for you going into this year, or is it really just being healthy? Yeah. I mean, the health is definitely a big thing. Um, I think starting off well helps. I had a a good first few weeks. Uh, I really wasn't playing every day at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. 
So that was something that was like extra motivation to like when I was in there to really make sure, you know, I didn't take any games off or at bats off. So uh, just starting well. And then also, you know, we had a really good group in Hartford. Um, we won a lot, a lot of good players. So that helps a lot too. Uh, it really felt like a college team. Uh, you know, yeah, a lot of good guys. Um, and when, you know, we were winning, playing well, it, it becomes easier because you don't try to do too much and just, just getting into the routines and the, you know, the process of playing and just trying to let things take care of themselves and just go out and have fun and play hard, really. So nothing really like in your time off and, you know, getting back into, you know, consistently playing again, weren't really any swing tweaks or adjustments or anything really between the line approach wise. Did you feel like it was more just on the well, mental think, side of things? I think the biggest thing was, I feel like I learned so much in my first season in 2019. Like I think really my entire baseball career from the beginning of that season to the end, like looking back on that, how much I learned and changed in the experience of playing like, a hundred plus games over a whole summer because college, you know, you, you play 60, 70, you go play summer ball, but you have days off. It's, and it's a much different game. And I had some struggles early in 2019, but like, you know, you slowly make adjustments and you figure out these things. So I think being able to reflect a lot on that and then finally being able to apply it this year because I, you know, 2020, all right, that's yeah. off 2021. I'm like, all right, I kind of have an idea of how this is going to go. First taste of double A, but all right you know, full season. These are the things. So I think just having that under my belt, kind of knowing what a full season will look like and just, yeah. And then, you know, a lot of hard work too. I, you know, I worked a lot on my swing approach, making sure you're sharp, you know, body feels good. Really just all those things. Well, I want to get a little into swing and approach uh, in, in a second, but also a big wrinkle of 2019 was, was getting traded, right? You were initially drafted in the third round out of Duke University by the Chicago Cubs. Then you get traded over uh, to the Rockies there. And I mean, that that's kind of an experience in itself as well. You talk about the differences between college and yeah. pro. Aside from the total games played, you're not getting traded in college. You're not getting traded uh, in the Cape League either. What was that experience like for you? Because I don't think anybody's really expecting to get dealt. And uh, how did you manage that? And then you finished really strong uh, in Colorado, or not yeah. in Colorado, but uh, in the Colorado Rockies organization. You know, was that just a, a change of scenery and, and a little bit of a spark for you? Or uh, did you just kind of get a new environment and, and hit the ground running? Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah, it was definitely a surprise being traded. The Cubs were kind of one of the teams that year that was um, – uh, at the deadline looking to make some moves for playoff purposes. And, you know, we guys that kind of follow that, you, you hear names. And I really wasn't one at the time. I wasn't really expecting much. Uh, but, yeah, I ended up going to Colorado. Um, it was for, like, international signing money. So it's pretty much yeah. for cash. But uh, the Rockies, uh, from talking to them, they definitely liked me and they seemed to be aggressive there. Um, and then, yeah, once I got over there, I had had a hamstring injury actually when I was traded. I was on the IL and then I came off and yeah, I finished strong and I felt good. And I liked a lot of the new people I met uh, in the Rockies org. And now, you know, I'm finally able to like build on that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was really a crazy experience going into a clubhouse and new guys and stuff, but uh, it was cool. It was, it was, it was a fun experience. So getting into the, the adjustments you've made, cause you know, I, I'm always interested in, 
and guys like you, where you have a lot of different ways where you can impact the game, you know, your athleticism has always been a very important part of your game and um, speed has always been an important part of your game, but you've also tapped into some power here this year, hitting nine home runs in 54 games. And I've always had that ability as well. Uh, what were some of the adjustments you've made? Was it more approach wise? Was it more to, to tap into more power? Was it a swing tweak for more contact? Like what, what really worked for you um, in the off season? What was like the focus uh, to yeah. really make that adjustment going into the season? It was a little bit of everything. Uh, definitely some mechanical things, you know, in college, you're able to get away with a lot of yeah. things. I always felt like if I, I could just use my hands, mm-hmm. you know, I was always a good hand, eye, good eye. So I was able to just, you know, metal bats, you know, get the head out and get the ball in play and, you know, good things are going to happen. I was always very crouching in my legs in college and into that first season of pro ball. And, you know, you watch guys in the big leagues and guys, you know, how they move. A lot of them are very relaxed and upright. You know, they have a lot of rhythm. So that was stuff I tried to implement. So, you know, now I stand a little bit more upright. I have a little bit more of a, a stride, not a leg kick, but, you know, a little bit of a leg lift and a move. And then building off that, it's just, you slowly kind of figure out what pitches you can do damage on. And then, you know, once you get to the double and triple A level, it really just becomes approach stuff. You know, you can't be thinking about your swing a lot now in the season. You can do little things here or there, but, you know, it becomes what, what part of the areas of the zone am I going to do damage? You know, what, what profile is this pitcher? You know, what kind of stuff does he throw? And uh, just working off that. So picking, your, picking my spots when I can, you know, maybe drive the ball, but also still keeping that ability to, you know, draw some walks, foul some pitches off, you know, kind of be annoying, put the ball in play at times, move guys around. So just being able to do a little bit of everything. That seems to be a nuance that players at your stage of their career seem to, to really start to figure out, which is uh, leveraging those, those counts, those hitters counts and, and getting your, your a plus plus swing off in those spots. Cause it seems like every time I'm talking to a guy like yourself, that's, you know, either getting from double to triple, tapping into more power, doing a little bit of everything. It seems to be they figured out how to pick the spots that work best for them. And and is that something that you feel like you've you've felt more comfort with? Is like, is it getting the A swing off 2-0? And how much easier is that versus shortening up in a full count or whatever it may be and being able to put the ball in play? Because that's not a liberty that everybody has, right? That's not something yeah. that everybody can do. Some guys, it disrupts their timing so much that they can't really stray from what they normally do. Um, yeah. How did you kind of get the idea to start doing that? And you know, where did you start to see that success? Was that something that you felt confident about going into the year? Or as you were going game to game, you started to see the results work? Yeah, I think, you know, as this season started and I was, you know, driving some more balls, I was like, all right, you know, I can I can do this. I have some some pop in there. And uh, just, just building off that, really. Um, not being afraid to get the head out and drive the ball and, you know, stay in this game. You gotta, you gotta be able to slug unless yep. you're Billy Hamilton or whatever. So knew I would have to, you know, drive it. And especially, you know, once you get to the higher levels, guys throwing early off speed, you know, that's a lot, a lot of time you see in college, you know, no one swings at early off speed pitches. You wait for your fastball. Everyone pitches straight forward, but you get to levels, you know, lots of times you get an OO slider down the middle. That's a really yeah. good pitch to hit. So yeah. being being willing to be like, okay, I can hit, you know, I can hit this pitch out of the park. Also, I don't just have to like try to get in a 2-0 count and get a fastball down the middle because you don't really get those anymore. Yeah. There's not really, you know, we joke like there's not really 
you know, fastball counts anymore with guys yeah. who like know how to pitch. So, you know, being willing to make adjustments like that, just kind of let, letting the game tell you, you know, what you need to do and then just try not to do too much also. And just, yeah. It's super interesting. Cause I think everybody thinks, you know, myself included that, Oh, you always just think 2-0 fastball count, just sit fastball. Yeah. Or, but there's other spots where you can sit on a certain pitch on a certain zone and feel like you're in a spot where you, know, you can let off that that A-plus swing. And the nuances to hitting are, are really fascinating, yeah, especially you when you go get forever. To, to the double and, and triple-A level. You talk yeah. about the slug, though, and, and that's something that, again, we, we've seen that you're, you're doing as well as you ever have and, and have continued to see that you can tap into but now you're going into an environment where it makes it a little bit easier on you as well. So I'm glad you were able to show everybody that you could do it in Hartford first, because that's the number one, the number one thing, the number, yeah, that's not an easy place to hit at all. Yeah, That league in general, it's usually, it's usually pretty tough. You know, that's what our our, uh, farm director always says. The Eastern league's got some teeth. It's like, you got to get through that. Yeah. You got to grind it out. And then you, you get the chance to now hit in a more, you know, hitter friendly environment and triple. And then big leagues is obviously as friendly as it gets. We always yeah. joke about for, for a pitcher in, in, in your organization that like the final boss is somewhat Albuquerque because yeah. if you can pitch there, then you're probably going to translate a little bit to Denver, but you talk about Hartford being a difficult place to hit. And I'm glad you were able to prove that you could hit for power there because anybody wants to d- discount the PCL and, and West coast power. I know that. And it's, it is hard to gauge to a degree, but you still have to hit the freaking ball and still has to carry over the wall. And that's still a squared up baseball. Yeah. That, that being said, have you seen any, or you haven't been there yet, but have you heard any fables about the way the ball carries in Albuquerque? Do you guys talk about it that much? You've already played five triple A games, but as we talked about before we recorded, uh, and I'll, I'll ask you about that next, you, you've been kind of flying all over. It's been playing trains and yeah. automobiles for you and you have not yet played in Albuquerque. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you hear the stories and you, you hear them in spring training and stuff. And I've always kind of like, Oh man, I like, I'd love to hit there. Um, yeah. Pitchers complain about it. You know, hitters kind of like it, but, um, but yeah, you still got to hit the ball. I mean, the, some of the arms we saw this past week were, legit the the round rock uh bullpen those guys were were good a lot of guys you know that that go up and down from the big leagues a lot so still got to hit it but you know if you square it up another reason to to not try to do too much you know you square something up at a good angle in the gap it it should go so i'm looking forward to get you know taking bp the the first day because you know sometimes you hit like oh wow i can't believe you know i got jammed or this or that so yeah, I'm looking forward to getting there and kind of getting settled and seeing seeing the home ball, home ballpark for the first time. So, yeah, and that's going to be really fun. And and we know what what Denver does and and how much the ball flies there. But not only is it an area where the ball flies, the outfield is so big. And uh, you know, one of your former teammates, Griffin Conan, his dad is one of the best hitters in Coors Field history. And Jeff was telling me, he said. I think it's so dumb that they make the outfields as wide as possible because the ball is going to fly out of there no matter what. And now you're just giving hitters more ground for the ball to land and in between exactly. the gaps and, and more area there. Uh, that's got to be something you're looking forward to as well, right? Because you talk about being able to tap into power, but also being able to, you know, just put the ball in play and be that pest and you have more area yes. to work with. It, it seems like a place where hitters like you can kind of have that translation at the big league level. And I look at like guys like Connor Joe and, and even CJ Crone to yeah. a crazy degree 
that just really hit their stride there and found an approach that works for them. Is there anybody in the big leagues that, that you like to watch specifically and, and follow? And, and do you watch specifically more players in the Rockies org or is there anybody that you like to kind of draw from? Uh, a lot of guys. I mean, we usually keep up with the Rockies. Lots of times they're on. So, you know, watch all those guys. Um, you know, obviously you got the classic, you know, the Trouts and the Pujols and yeah. Miguel Cabrera. I like love watching him. Altuve is fun to watch too, just because of his his style. You know, so he's everything. Uh, but yeah, no, really all big league hitters because all of them do, you know, certain things well. Uh, and I like, you know, I, I like watching baseball too. Yeah. So. But, well- one other, one other question on the adjustment to triple, because you were telling me, um, you know, kind of about your experience of getting there and, um, yeah. just, just alone from the traveling and the different destinations and, uh, even to, to using a plane as, as a means for transportation, uh, can you talk a little bit about what your early takeaways have been for the average listener who may not know the nuances and the differences between yeah. each level, you know, what have been some of the differences that you've seen in the early going from double to triple? Well, what I've done so far, I, w- I would say it's been pretty smooth for all the moving around I've done. So I went from Hartford, we finished the series, and I went to New Hampshire. Went from New Hampshire, this I got called up from New Hampshire, so I went from New Hampshire, connecting flight in Chicago down to Austin because we were playing the Texas Rangers AAA. So we were there all last week. And then instead of going home, though, we have another road week so we got to sacramento which is where i am now today and that was the first time triple a is the only level that flies so that was the first time traveling like as a team also but actually it was pretty smooth we fly a commercial but it was really pretty easy they pretty much take care of our uh baseball equipment you know i had i didn't bring all my stuff because i wasn't necessarily expecting to get called up on the road in hartford so i don't even have that much stuff but uh yeah, it was, it was really pretty easy. Now, you know, we have off rested today and then uh, we start our Sacramento series tomorrow. And that'll be at home, right? No, we're here oh. this whole week. Oh, you're, you're gone this yeah. whole week. Yeah. So you're going to so play we'll about back. a dozen games before you, you get your first yeah. home experience. And then, and then, well, after this week is the all-star break. So we'll have three or four days off. So I won't play. I, I'm not, I'm not playing the game in Albuquerque until like, another 10 days maybe oh my God. 10 or 11 days so <laughs> that's crazy to timing that to check out the how the ball goes there but yeah so i got like with the new scheduling we play six game series so yeah each half of the year i think you have one back-to-back road trip where you play six six road games travel six road games normally it's like every other week road home road home road home so i happen to get called up in the the nice long road trip Yes. You're always going to be happy to get called up to triple, but yeah, the yeah, timing was, way, was, yeah. was a little, little difficult there, but I want to talk a little bit about before we wrap up on the double a side of things, because you talk about how talented of a team that was. And, and it really is it, from, from just almost every position you go around the diamond. And of course the first guy I want to ask you about, because I think he's by far the youngest guy on that team is Ezekiel Tovar. And I'm sure you knew I was going to ask you about him, but just watching what that guy does, because he's what a good four years younger than you. Um, yeah. and, and just that five, guy more than that, five, 20, he was the, 20. I don't know if he was the youngest or second youngest. I think he was the youngest player in the league. I, I'm fairly positive. He was, he was the youngest player in the league. Yeah. And, and I mean, what was it like watching, you know, that guy go, because I don't think a lot of people knew 
what he was capable of before the year. Uh, and, and I would love to just kind of get your thoughts, just, just kind of playing behind that guy, uh, both, both as a defender and as a hitter. But I think people yeah. don't realize how good of a defender this guy yeah, is. Yeah, he, he really is something. He's incredible. I mean, he does it all. He's a really, really great guy, too. Um, super nice kid. And this is a team that, beginning of the year, he was the only Latin player on our team. So that's really? another challenge. Yeah, we had a very American team. Wow. So that's a challenge for him. I mean, he, he speaks pretty good English, but, you know, I imagine that being tough. Uh, some more guys eventually got called up, but he handled it amazing. I mean, since day one, every day, playing shortstop, rarely got a day off, hit everywhere he went, played awesome defense. I mean, guy's going to play in the big leagues for a long time. Like, he really – he's got the skills, but he's got the intangibles too. I really think he's going to be something special. That seems to be what what it looks like from the outside, and, and yeah. to hear that from the inside is pretty awesome. Uh, you know, what was that experience like playing on such a good team? Because you know, I had a chance to go out to Pensacola and uh, just seeing that team. They all really like each other. They all have a good time, and and the Blue Wahoos they seem to win ball games, and and the guys enjoy it. But there's times I'm sure in your professional career, or you've heard stories about other players in their professional career where it's not always like that. And that's what happens when you get a collection of random people and put them all together. Uh, how much more fun does it make it uh, to be able to have a team that you enjoy in, in professional baseball when it's a job? And uh, yeah. where does this Hartford Yard Goats team stack up for you in your experience through professional baseball? It makes a huge difference because, you know, playing every day and it can really get to be a grind sometimes. Some days are, are tough, but when you're winning and, you know, you have a good group, it, it really becomes fun and it starts to, you know, go by quicker. And, you know, Hartford, too, we got – we had an a incredible stadium. It's got to be a, a top five stadium in all of minor league baseball. Awesome. Pretty pretty new. So we had an amazing facility to go to. On top of that, you're winning games, you know, big crowds. So, uh, you know, it's just – it's a lot of fun. and. Lots of times maybe you have a rough game, but, you know, we come out with the win. It makes that day a little bit better for you, like individually, because obviously, you know, everybody wants the team to do well, but everyone wants their individual success, too. So just those things, it kind of makes the that daily grind of the minor leagues a little bit easier and a little bit more fun. And, you know, eventually, you know, you're, you're pulling for your, your teammates, too. And it, it just it's it's a lot of fun. So going back to, to, to who you are as a player, and, and I know that's something that you probably just go out there and play, but what kind of player do, do you feel like you are or you want to be at the highest level? Because, again, I th- I'm really fascinated by, by your ability to do a little bit of everything, and, uh, and that's something that in today's game, talk about you got a slug. Also, in today's game, it seems like there's an infatuation with like singular tools, right? Like this guy, we put players in buckets, right? This guy's a power hitter. This guy's a speedster. This guy's a five-tool player. And those are the freaks that can do everything like Julio Rodriguez to the nth degree. But as a guy that does everything pretty darn well, how do you see yourself as a player? And and what kind of ball player do you think Jimmy Herring can be? Yeah. Yeah, like you say, like none of my tools are crazy off the charts. But I think where I can impress people is – you watch me play every day for a couple months and you're like, man, this kid's, you know, he does something every game to, you know, help the team win in some way, whether it's offense, defense, getting on base, stealing a base. So really just continuing to do those things. And then, you know, the things like the power, that's something I want to do, but I don't press to do it because lots of times power, you know, slowly comes as you get older. And I think that's part of hitting me hitting for a little bit more power this year. So that's something you kind of, okay, I'm starting to get to this point. I can keep doing that, but I still want to keep my ability to, you know, get on base and 
move the ball around, not strike out much. And then being able to play three outfield positions also. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that, that kind of sums it up. And really it's, you know, just going out there every day and just trying to do something to help the team win. And then, you know, all those things can kind of add up. And it's really rare, again, in, in today's game to be able to find players like that. And, and I always talk about baseball cyclical, and it seems like the you know, players that can do a little bit of everything and, and consistently put the ball in play and, and defensive versatility seem to be as valuable as ever in today's game. And uh, talking about the defense side of, side of things, you can play all three spots. Is there a spot where you're most comfortable? Because generally speaking, center field's typically harder, but I know a lot of true center fielders who – prefer to be there because the angles are different in the corners. Now that you've played kind of evenly everywhere and that seems to be what you're consistently doing right now, is there an area where you feel more comfortable and how's the defensive progress been as well? Cause we've just been talking about you mashing baseballs most of this episode. Yeah. I mean, I'd say I'm mostly play center and left and right, probably third, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I'd say center is the most natural from the standpoint of like reading balls off the bat. You kind of are just out there and you're just running around usually balls that hit to you are like pretty true left is tough sometimes because a lot of times you're getting, you know, hooked line drives and flares, you know, you're working with the line, you're working with the gap. The throws are a little easier from left. Yeah. Your only, your only tough throw really is to home. So that's one thing that's easier there, but you know, I always like center. It, it feels natural. You don't have to think as much. You got, you got more ground to cover, a little bit more work to do. But, yeah, they kind of they each have their own little uniqueness. And moving forward, just last question here is you're as close as you've ever been to the big leagues. And, uh, you know, without, again, we talk about without pressing and without doing too much or trying to do too much but continuing to do what you've done, you know, how do you manage now that that feeling of, of getting closer and, and really feeling that, but, you know, still just doing what you've been doing and, and trying to kind of keep that in check. Because like you said, you're, you're facing dudes that were just in the big leagues that are back and forth. You'll have Rockies players that are on rehab assignments. Like you're going to get even yeah. more tastes of the big leagues and, and little snippets of it than you ever have. How do you kind of keep yourself, you know, where you need to be mentally and, and continue to do what you've been doing? Yeah. Just a day at a time. I mean, you know, it's another new challenge and I'm sure, you know, there'll be, there'll be times where it's tough, but I think just, you know, taking it a day at a time, doing my best. Um, you know, I didn't have the best week this first week. I think I went, you know, I first game, I smoked two balls, got out next game, smoked another ball, went over four with two K's like with, with some really good at bats and, you know, it's tough and you look up and you're hitting like 180, you know, only 15 ABs or whatever, but, you know, not, not, not just not getting too high or too low, you know, new challenge and just taking it head on. Really. I just tell myself, you know, it's just like, see, see what I'm made of, see what I can do. And if I can great, if I can't, then at least I tried. So just, uh, just keep going really, you know? Yeah. And, and how much do you look at that? Just where it's, you smoked the ball, went right to a guy's glove. I mean, that, that's a win for you, right? Like, you, I know it's yeah. hard to say it that way, but you go back to the dugout knowing you did the right thing, right? You can only control so much. Yeah, it's baseball, though, you know? <laughs> so this week, you know, I'll probably get maybe a couple broken bat hits or something like that, and it'll even out. That's usually what I tell myself, but... Uh, it never feels like it does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? You, you, know, you know, we'll see. But really just uh, just trying to enjoy the journey and... yeah. 
you know, see where it takes you. You know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. Should Obviously, be. I'm not content, but, you know, if you told me at the beginning of this year I'd be in AAA in July, I'd be pretty excited. So just kind of going with that, just seeing what I can do for the rest of the year and then just continue to try to get better. I mean, you've got every reason to be excited, man. And I mean, you, you earned it by every stretch of the imagination with what you did in double A and I'm really excited to see you get going in triple A. Cause as we know, you're going to get your taste of Albuquerque, but I also yeah, know that see. everything you can do is going to translate and very excited to hopefully see you, you know, force your way up to the big leagues, maybe even by the end of the year, but always been checking the box scores. We talk about box score check and I check all of those former Duke blue devil guys. And yeah. it's been awesome to see you just continuing to fill up the hit sheet, uh, fill up the stat sheet as well in every single way. So rooting for you the rest of the way. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.